welcome everybody to church. Um, this is our some of our youth mission trip team, and we are leaving Tuesday. So if you guys would please stand and sing with us, we're going to be doing a few things that we're also going to be doing down there. Welcome. How 
see everybody in the church today. These kids are sounding good, aren't they? They're doing well. Please, uh, please reach in the book rack right in front of you and pull out one of our little black folders, if you'll be so kind. And uh, put your name on that little black folder and give it to somebody sitting next to you. We'll appreciate that a lot. Uh, this is the last Sunday you'll... Uh, hear about this little piece of paper in your Sunday courier. We've been gathering prayers for the summer because, you know, what we want to do in the church is meet summer head on. I know that, you know, people are already traveling and people are taking their vacation, but the ministry of the church is moving forward in the summertime. And we believe that one of the great reasons for that is because we are staying focused as a church. If you've never signed up to be one of our summer prayers, please do that today. Take this little piece of paper, put your name on it, put it in the offering plate. As soon as I get this, I'll put your name on my prayer list, and I'll pray for you June, July, and August that the Lord will keep you focused spiritually because, you know, summer is a distracting time, and we have so many things to do, but... We must stay focused on the things of God in the summer. So that's what I'll do for you. And as you, five days a week, pray this list. And uh, it's important. Every item on this list is important. Uh, this is a big, big week here at the church. As you know, vacation Bible school starts uh, tomorrow. Uh, kids age three through fifth grade are going to invade the top of this hill, we believe. It'll be everywhere. Uh, then early on uh, Tuesday morning, there's a group, these and a few others with them, will be going to the airport, getting on that plane and headed out to Ecuador. So in Ecuador and here on top of the hill uh, in, in our community, we're going to be spending this whole next week preaching the gospel. And we're going to need your support, your prayer backing at, uh, in order to do that. So... Uh, we're counting on you uh, to stand with us as we preach the gospel. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you for being so faithful every week uh, in giving. Uh, we're just getting ready to wind up our, our year, our fiscal year. And uh, hopefully when we get back from Ecuador, uh, I'll be able to give a really good financial report to the church because you've been faithful in your giving, and we thank you for that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and, and how you're raising the next generation, Lord, right here in our midst.
We, uh, this is our prayer, this is our plea, this is our hope. We thank you for these young people up on this stage today. We pray that you will um, uh, bless the giving of your people today to perpetuate this work which we have started out to train our children up in the way of the Lord. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Hello. My name's Angie. I go to South Park High School and I'll be a senior this year. Um, I didn't really go to church as a kid, but I started going to jams in middle school. And growing up, I had a said the prayer to accept Jesus into my heart, but I knew I didn't truly take it seriously and I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but before I was saved, I had a lot of doubt and questioning. And beginning my sophomore year, I started to go to Straight Street. And about two years ago, I started to come to church with my dad. And that is when, when I started coming to Straight Street, that's when I truly knew that I wanted to accept Jesus as my savior. And, but I didn't really have a relationship with him until this year. And through Dane's lessons and just the leadership from all the leaders and their speaking, I realized that I wasn't truly being honest to God and I didn't really have a relationship with him and that I was being a fake Christian. So that's when I knew that I wanted to take it seriously and get my life together. And now through this opportunity of being able to go to Ecuador, it has brought me in to read the Bible more and do my devotion times and prayer more and that's where I am now. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and raised in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. That was in the first service. Wasn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Angie, would you stand up? Let's give her a hand. Angie, we're so happy for you. Turn around. We're just so thankful for what God is doing in our church and in the life of our young people. Um, that is, uh, that's what we want our church to be about right there, about people coming to Christ and their, their lives are changed by the power of God Almighty. We want our children to know God. We want everyone in our congregation to know God. We want the people of our community to know God. So if you would take your Bibles with me this morning, go to Psalm 126. We want to get to the heart of the matter this morning. We have a big week ahead of us. We're, we're, we have 35 people going to Ecuador on a youth missions trip. And uh, how exciting that is. These teenagers are going to be running the vacation Bible school. They're teaching the Bible lessons. They're teaching crafts. They're teaching songs. They're going to be doing everything. They're going to partner with Ecuadorian teenagers. And it's going to be one exciting trip when we get down and we see them in action and working for God. They're going to go into, into an orphanage and they're going to love little children that, that, uh, that really need a, a, a love, a, a touch. They're going to take the clothes that you've been bringing out in the foyer and we're going to hand them out. It's, a, it's an exciting week. In the meantime, we're also going to have Vacation Bible School here. Pastor Al told me that there are 70 people who have signed up to help with the Vacation Bible School here this week. So we're looking forward to a great and exciting time but we want to get to the heart of the matter this morning. Why do we do this? What is, what, what is this all about this morning here? So let's look at Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the south. Those that sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the precious seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This morning, just a little bit of background on, the, on this psalm. As we think of the psalms, I'm reminded that it, these were actually sung by the children of Israel to God. 
Uh, this particular psalm was in, known in the Song of Ascents, and it was known as one of those songs that they sang along the journey back to Jerusalem for their, for their worship pilgrimages. But as we stand here today and we think about what God is teaching us here, we've got to understand a little bit further the background. Yes, we come into the church, we sing songs, and it unifies us. That's what the Psalms were supposed to be. They were to unify the children of Israel. It was uh, a lot of teaching through their Psalms, but it was also a time of praise and worship before the Lord, a praise gathering, if you will. And so they gathered together, and the, the little bit of background to this passage is that it, it was written in, in the context of the children of Israel coming back out of the Babylonian exile, out of the Babylonian captivity. And that was one of the most notable captivities of the children of Israel. And here they are, they're coming back and they're praising the Lord. Look there, he says, when the Lord returned the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Ezra, as he was part, uh, leading the charge out of the Babylonian captivity, I want to just show you a few verses from the book of Ezra about, uh, about the kind of man that Ezra was. A little bit about the journey as well. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. Two things to note about this passage. Number one, the journey. It was about a 500-mile journey on the map. Some believe that it might have taken as much as 900 miles for them to make this journey by the, by the way of the land flow. It was a long journey. And it says on the first day of the first month, he began his journey. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. So it was quite a pilgrimage for these people. They were, they were out and they were in exile. They were held captive by, the, by Babylon. And they make this pilgrimage back to Israel. The second thing I want you to notice is the type of man that Ezra was. And I couldn't help but notice this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. That's what we want our church to be. Where you come and you prepare your heart to seek the law of the Lord. And not just to know the law of the Lord, but to go and do it to live this life out there, and to teach others also, to teach God's law, God's Word to other people. That's what we're doing in our ministries all over the church from, from the, uh, as little as we can in our church, three-year-old. We have a, a class trying to teach them God's Word, that they may prepare their hearts for the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach others also. Let's just look into the passage this morning. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. The first lesson I would like to draw to our attention from this passage is that we are to reflect on God's blessings. Reflect on God's blessings. So often we see God work in our life and then when we stop and we realize what God has done. It's, it's like a dream. And for the children of Israel, they're coming out of this, this captivity. And for many of them, they never thought it was going to happen. So they're singing unto the Lord, Lord, you have restored us. You restore the fortunes of Zion. And we are like those who dream. It's a dream that has come true. I look at my life and I, I often say, wow, where would I be without the Lord? I know many of you do the same thing. You ask, where would my life be if I would not have had this encounter with Jesus? If God would not have transformed my life, if he would not have made this difference in my life, where would I be? God, God did this, and I know it's like a dream that came true. The Charvon family today for Angie, they're excited for Angie. Mom and dad are thrilled because it's like a dream come true. My daughter has come to know God, they're saying. And they're excited about her walk in the Lord. We as a, as a church, it's like a dream come true. Here's somebody that's come to church and they have found God. And through their family, through, the, through all, all that happens here, through the youth ministry, people pouring out God's Word, God did this. 
And we rejoice with you, Angie, this morning because God did this. This wasn't something that we as a church have done. God did this. You responded to the word of the Lord in your life. And so it's like a dream. We live for this. This is like so exciting for us. This is what the children of Israel were doing. They said, wow, this is like a dream come true. The hand of God. We are to come back and reflect on the blessings of the Lord. As the Israelites began this hymn of praise, they did so by remembering the great grace of their Lord. They remembered how that they had been oppressed and held captive by their enemies. And how God and His great power had delivered them. They praise, they praise Him for, for the day that He set them free and brought them back to their homeland. And today, in our life, we have just as much to, to praise. Because God has set you and I free. Let's look here at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Uh, let's read this aloud together. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is what we have to celebrate. We were once captive. We were in captivity. We were slave to sin. We were slave to our flesh. We were under the power of the enemy. And God says that you went from being dead to alive in Christ. That's pretty descriptive language. That you were dead. It doesn't say that, oh yeah, you came to know God and it made a, made a nice little difference in your life. He says that you were dead. And you are made alive by Christ. You have been saved by His grace. This is, this is what we have to thank God for. It's like a dream has come true. I don't have to be living life dead. I'm living life alive because of who Christ is. I am in His power through Him. We were once under the power of sin. God has now made us alive. And so the psalmist begins here, Psalm 126, basically saying that when God worked, He delivered Zion. We were just like those that dream. So excited in what God is doing. It, it's, just, it's just like we can hardly grasp how awesome our God is. Verse 2, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. You know, when we praise the Lord, that's what happens. Other people take notice. The other nations in, in this passage, the other nations who were worshiping false gods, they had taken notice of whenever Israel had a calamity, when Israel was in bondage. And they, over in Psalm 137, they took advantage of the situation and they triumphed in that situation. But here in this passage we see that even the other nations are now taking notice. Look what the Lord has done for them. Look what the Lord God did for Israel. And this is what happens when we come back and we reflect on the blessings of God. It changes your life. It changes the life of those around you. People begin to take notice and they say, there's something a little bit different about that guy. His, he's not down all the time. Some of, uh, I have a friend of mine in the community. He, uh, he says to me quite often, some of the greatest, happiest people I know are the people that go to your church. And I said, really? I don't always see that because we're a family and we're working at it. We're, sometimes we get down. He goes, no, listen, your people at that church are so happy. And I said, well, you've got to come and check out and find out what's going on up here. And, uh, and he's on the way to Christ. He's on the way to Christ. But it's because our people are out there and they're not stuck on themselves. See, when I remember God's blessings, when I reflect on God's blessings, I'm not looking down. We're not a group of people that are stuck on ourselves. We're stuck on God. And I've got my head up. So I'm not walking around through life like this. Woe is me. I didn't have enough money to make it and this and that. You know, we have those trials too, don't we? But that's not my focus. My focus is not down here. My focus is up on God. And so this is a call for all of us to reflect on the blessing of God, to come back to the, to the hand of the Almighty and say, You are God. You have saved us. We have so much to be thankful for. God loves us when we praise Him. He is so honored, but He also notices, but also others notice whenever we take notice of our God. Whenever we worship, whenever we honor Him. 
And it's so much more than a few songs. You know, we come here on Sunday and we sing a few songs together. He wants you to reflect on His goodness, reflect on His blessing in your life every day. It's something that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and not just something that happens in the morning. He wants you to be thinking about Him all day long. And so I'm reflecting on the goodness of God. That's what He's called us to do. The opposite of praise, I would say, is a focus on myself. I'm so focused on me. When I take my eyes off of me and I put it on to God, I'm now able to praise Him. And all these things in my life that are, that are troublesome, they seem to diminish because I'm looking at the almighty, powerful hand of God. And God's hand, if He can't figure it out, no one can. And He does. He figures it all out, folks. So I've got my eyes on the almighty hand of God, and I'm not stuck on myself. Verse 3 states that they themselves say that the Lord has done great things, and they are glad. The Lord Himself is good. They are glad because of what He has done in their life. This is what God's called us to do. As we reflect to God, others take notice. The second lesson I'd like for us to look at from this passage is that we need to call on God for His continued work. Call on God for His continued work. Verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the south. Here we see God's people not only praising their God, but now they are calling on Him for His continued work. Asking God to continue to do His work of deliverance. While, the, while some of the restoration had begun, while some were returning to the land, now they ask God to continue His work and to bring everyone back. Restore our land. Let them experience your blessing. For those that have returned as well as for those that are remaining and yet to return. They're asking God to continue His work. When God begins the work, He's asked us to continue to call on Him for the completion of His work. It is God's work. I like what the Apostle Paul said here in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and let's read this together. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is the one who started the work in your life. When you were a child and you came to Christ, that was God. When you were a teenager and you met Christ, that was God. When you were as an adult, 30, 40, 50 years old, you came to Christ, that was God. He started the work in your life. And the Scriptures tell us that He's the one who will be faithful to complete it. So what are we to do? Our part of this is that I call on the Lord. I'm praying. I'm seeking Him. I'm saying, God, this work that you began in my life, would you please continue and work in my life? Continue to, to complete that work because this is the hand of God in my life. It's not something that I can manufacture, but I am called to sow. And that brings us to the next verse here. I'm called to serve Him faithfully, for God is faithful. That's the third lesson. Serve Him faithfully, for God is faithful. Verse 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. For he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This morning, let's pause and consider this law of sowing and reaping. In the midst of this passage, they see that the hand of God was faithful. And now they're also reiterating as they sing the song back to the Lord that they are going to be faithful to the Lord. And they're going to be faithful by sowing. And think of the children of Israel as they're coming back out of captivity. They're coming out of captivity and it was a painful time. And some of them are still in pain. They're coming back to a land that has been decimated. And they have to rebuild this land. And it's painful. And there's a lot of sowing that must take place. A lot of work ahead. And there's a lot of tears. But the Scriptures say here that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. So let's look at what it means to sow. Um, it was an agricultural society. Israel was an agricultural society. And they understood this so much more than we do. But we understand the basic, the basic theory. You plant the basic law, you plant a seed, and what's it do? It grows. 
That's very basic. We plant a seed and it grows. And God has told us that we are to be involved in His work. We are to sow in tears. So this means it may be hard work. It may be painful. But we are to sow. We are to go out and take God's Word for you and I. And we are to spread His Word. Like the farmer who took and spread the seeds everywhere. Proverbs 11.18 says this about sowing. It says that the wicked man does perceptive work. A deceptive work. The wicked man does deceptive work. But he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. He'll have a sure reward. This is, this is a great contrast. If I sow into my life the things that are not of God, I'm going to have a deceptive work. My life will be done. But if I sow righteousness in my life, I have what? A sure reward. This is something that takes place in your life now. This is a sure reward. Uh, Over in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, we find the parable of the sower in which Jesus describes the different types of hearts that the seed will fall into. He talks about the seed as the Word of God, and he says as we go out, we are to spread God's Word. And as that goes out, it it falls and takes place on different different hearts. Some hearts are cultivated and they're right. They're fertile, ready for the seed to grow. Others are like the pathway and it's just hard. And that seed falls and it lays there. And for me, that's where the tears come in. Whenever I'm sowing and I go out and I spread the Word of God, it's so exciting when we see somebody that's come to know God. But when we go out, we plant the seed. and Maybe, the, maybe the, it's a hard heart. And they say, I don't like what you had to say. As a matter of fact, I'm upset with what you had to say. There's a little bit of a hard heart there. That's where, for me, the tears begin to come in. But Jesus said that sowing was important. And you know, that's what we're trying to do in our church. We're trying to make sowing of God's Word important. We're going out to plant this week. We're going to Ecuador. We're going to plant God's Word in people's lives. There's going to be little children coming in. And uh, our teenagers are going to take the seed of God's Word and they're going to plant it in their life. And I'm excited for for you folks, you teenagers that are going to do that. Because God is going to do a powerful work in your life. And you're going to plant that in there. And you may not see the growth. We may come back from Ecuador and we won't know until we get to heaven. And just imagine some little child that, that comes up and meets our team in heaven comes up to Josh Baker and says, Josh, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Because I learned and I'm here because you came to my country and told me. Imagine our vacation Bible school this week as we're planting the seeds of the gospel. We're going out and it's hard work. We're coming up here and we're sowing the seeds. Pastor Al said 70 people are helping. There are 70 people coming up to love children. This is going to be a kid zone this week. They're going to be in every nook and cranny of this church. And we're going to be giving them the gospel. We're going to tell them how much God loves them. We're going to tell them that God has a plan for their life. They have a future. It's great what God wants to do in their life. And you know, some of them will receive it. Others may not. But that's our job. We're called to sow. And we go out and we give, give the gospel out. We're to sow in tears, the Scriptures tell us. Sow in tears. Let's talk about tears for a few moments. Jesus Himself sowed in tears in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when He drew near and saw the city, Jerusalem, He wept over it. He cried for the people. John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the New Testament, Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He was not weeping for Lazarus, he was weeping for the people that didn't understand who he was. Jesus was not afraid to cry. As a matter of fact, he took, the Bible says that he was known as, he was a man of sorrows. And he took all the way to the cross, the horrible death on the cross. He sowed in tears, but he reaped in joy. And you and I reaped in joy because of his sowing in tears. When he rose again on the cross the third day. When you accepted the free gift of eternal life. The apostle Paul says that he told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 verse 31. He told them, therefore be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish you with tears. God's word is telling us that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. 
The Israelites were in a time of suffering, but God was still working in their life. Yes, they had tears. Yes, they had a lot of work. And they're going out in tears and they're doing the work of God. And God says, as you sow unto me, as you plant unto righteousness, that you will reap in joy. You will reap in joy. Sometimes our tears today come from suffering. We have, there's just things in life that we suffer from. And there are also the compassion of the ministry when we get engaged and we think about these little kids that we're going to minister to this week. When we think about your family and friends that you've been sowing and planting the gospel to, we get we, a tear at time comes to our eyes. When I think of the power of God working in their lives and we're praying, we're saying, God, this is hard work. The group going to Ecuador, they've been preparing for several months. It's hard work. They've had to memorize Bible lessons and, and Bible verses and songs, and they're working hard. And they're, when they get there, they're going to reap in joy. They've been putting the, the time, the hard work, the energy in, and they're going to go and they're going to reap in joy. For us as a church, this is what God's called us to, to sow in tears but to reap in joy. When tears are involved, the heart is involved. Think about that. When tears are involved, the heart is involved. And so I read this little story about a couple of struggling Salvation Army officers. They wrote to William Booth, their founder, telling him that they were having a difficult time in their work. And though, the, and though they had tried everything, they were unable to get anybody to come. No converts were happening in their ministry. So he gave them this simple reply, try tears. They did. And as history tells us, they had a revival. Try tears. Let your heart become involved. This isn't just something that's something we do. There's lives of men and women at stake out there, boys and girls. There's people's lives at stake. Reaping. We're, we're to, to reap the harvest as we go out in tears. Leonard Ravenhild said this. He said, our eyes are dry because our hearts are dry. We live in a day when we can have piety without pity. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. We can be religious, but our heart's not involved. Jesus also warned against that. He said he's looking for the heart. So the heart of the matter this morning is that we're to go out and sow in tears. There's, there's a, this is human beings that we're working with here. We're to invest in the lives of others. Give them the Word of God and invest God's Word in the lives of others. Reaping. God's called us to reap. He's the one who produces the harvest, but we're the ones who get to bring in the harvest. You know, when the farmer goes out and he plants the seed, he watches it grow, but he didn't make that grow. He might have cultivated the soil. He might have done a lot of work at weeding, but God's the one who gives the increase. And that's the same for us. God is the one who gives the increase. He's, he's allowed us to reap. Now look at what Galatians 6, 7, and 8 say here. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what is God telling us here? He's saying, look, as you, as you sow in your own life as a believer, and you're planting things in your life, if you plant things that are just of the world, things of pleasure all the time, just things of yourself, it's going to be short-lived. It's going to be emptiness. And the Bible says if you plant to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But what does God say? He says if you sow, if you plant to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. You'll reap the things of God. As you take God's Word and you take the time and you invest into God's Word, guess what God does in your life? He begins to grow in your life. You didn't produce it. God produced it. But you were involved in the planting, and you're involved in the reaping. This is, this is so exciting. The results are up to God. The psalmist here says that we are to sow in tears, but the promise comes in the reaping. When you plant a seed, it will grow. Some are sowing the seeds in their flesh, and they will reap corruption. Others are sowing seeds in the Spirit, and they will reap godly things in their life. When you sow, you will reap. It's that simple. 
The farmer scatters the seed and it grows. He brings in the harvest. This is what God has called us to do. He says, however, you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. What does the Bible say about joy? Verse 6, he says, He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. There is joy in serving Jesus. There really is. God wants us to serve him faithfully. Serve him faithfully because he is faithful. And there is joy in it because we're coming in with the harvest. When we go out, it may be hard work. But when God gives the increase and he allows us to come back, we reap with great joy. Isaiah 51, 11, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Reaping is not something that comes on your time. It comes on God's time. We're going to invest in people's lives. You may not see it on earth. You may not see it till we get to heaven. There are people that you, some of you have prayed for all of your life, and you haven't seen God move. And you've been planting the seeds of the gospel. You may not see that joy until we're in heaven, until we get on the other side. There is joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to Christ. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not grow weary. Let's read it together. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let's not give up. Let's be faithful to sow. And even though it may be hard, even though there's a lot of work, even though there is tears involved, we engage our heart. Let's be faithful to serve God, for He is faithful to us. Let's call on His name. Let's reflect on who He is. Let's close in prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed as our teenagers come back to close our service, I would just like to ask you to reflect on the greatness of God in your life. Where, where has God called you to be planting? God's called all of us. We're all part of His, His family. We're all part of His ministry. The Bible says that every member is a minister. And we're to open our hearts, go out there with tears, take His Word out to, to your family, to your community. Let's go out and sow in tears so that we may reap with joy. A lot of joy when we see God do those miracles in people's lives. Father God, I come before you and I ask you that you'll be with each person in our church, Lord. Thank you for our, your Word. Thank you for the fact that many of the people that are sitting here are the result of somebody who sowed in tears, somebody who prayed, somebody who invited, and now they are here. We are here because somebody else sowed in tears, and they were able to reap in joy. Lord, help us to go out. Help us to remember you, to be praising you, to rely on your strength, to call on your name and to serve you faithfully. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As we close our service, our young people will be doing this in Ecuador. And I just want you to think about the great and awesome God that you're serving.
had forsaken him Turned his back on his son Despising our sin All hell seemed to whisper Just forget it, he's dead Then the father looked down To his son and said Thank you very much. I'd like to ask all the rest of the people going to Ecuador to come up here on the platform. Adults, kids, young people, join me up here on the platform. And um, what we'd like to do is send them off with our prayers and um, our good wishes. And uh, we'd like to, we, we need a microphone, I think, to do that with. Okay, we're getting that. Um, Rick, Corey, would you come up, please? And, and if you'll be so kind to, uh, to pray over our group. Uh, 
these, uh, these kids have worked hard, and uh, their major work is yet to be done down in Ecuador. And so, Rick, if you'll ask the Lord to, to bless and pour out his spirit upon the group. Thank you. Our Let's Father pray. in heaven, we are just astounded by your love and your grace. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. And I, I think of these um, young people and what you've stirred in their hearts as well. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, uh, as they travel, that you would protect them, Lord, and, and go before them. We ask that you would just do a mighty work in their lives. And through them, Lord, that um, your work would go forth and much uh, sowing would be done, Lord, so that one day we would see the results. Lord, I pray for the people of Ecuador, the children who will be at the um, Vacation Bible School, that you would also prepare their hearts, Lord. That, Lord, uh, you would just um, reign over them and that uh, sin would not have a stronghold in their lives, but they would clearly hear the word, the gospel, the truth, Lord, and the, the truth that would set them free from the bondage of sin. I pray for those who are in you and walk in you that, uh, that these young people and the adults with them would just uh, be a great encouragement because I know they work hard down there um, with very little. And I pray for the, um, again, for the young people here, Lord, that you would, through this trip, give them a perspective of what the world is really like and the poverty that's out there, Lord. But, uh, Lord, we just... Um, you know, so often take for granted uh, what you've given us so freely, and and we um, are so wrapped up in distractions and the things of this world because uh, we're just such a a wealthy society. And I pray that this would be a time for them, Lord, that it would just tear down all of that, and they would see what true poverty is, but the richness that comes from you and the Spirit. And again, we just. Uh, love you and we adore you we thank you for the opportunity for them to serve this way and i pray that you would give them a pure heart and that they would seek your guidance and wisdom and above all just honor and glorify you amen amen thank you very much rick you know uh, this is a good lesson for the church when the church is faithful to the lord week in week out month in month out you know what happens after a period of time the next generation shows up. It happens automatically if the church is faithful. You are faithful. This is the fruit of your work. Many of these young people up here come to Christ right here in the church. Let's continue to be faithful and uh, because we need a whole lot more of the next generation, don't we? Let's, uh, let's stand together and uh, be dismissed. Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. You're dismissed.